0: Hey everybody! This is Lee. Uh, welcome to Caverns and Comedians. Um, I'm really new to Dungeons and Dragons, so this is really exciting for me. But if you uh, want to follow us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at CavernsPod. Lots of exciting stuff on there. If if you want to see me in real life, I'm gonna be at the Vancouver Improv Festival, so come and check that out uh, as Bloody Marys. Or if you want, you're in Toronto and you want to see a good comedy so- show, come see Thirty Two Sketches About Bees, the Remount going to be at second city in november
1: i could believe 31
2: sketches but 32 (laughs)
0: 32?
1: instead of insects i like to just picture this as old women named b what the oh yeah 32 old women named b there's
0: at least one sketch about an old woman named nice
1: enjoy the episode
3: welcome to caverns and comedians dungeons and dragons powered storytelling With Toronto Comedians. Last time, our party teamed up with the town outcast, a ranger named Snakey, to investigate a possible mole attack.
4: The party is walking the road to Bursey. You are in the darkness in the late hours of the night. You're walking through the forest. There are shadows and sounds all around you, and in the distance you see an orange glow that can only be coming from a large fire. Oh, it's been months since I've worn this armor. It's a little tight. Fook has been getting fatter and fatter by the day.
1: Still looks good on you, Fook. Ooh, thank you. That wasn't flirting. Well, I will take it as flirting anyway.
0: Well, Snakey,
1: looks like you were right.
5: Oh, no, so once again... You're talking to yourself right now, talking- not to the snake. The snake's name is Susan.
1: Oh, well, Susan's been looking at my dog a little too much. You what? My dog, oh. that chubby Dashant named Steve, he's celestial.
6: Yeah, okay. <laughs> Can somebody answer why, how a bunch of crazy hyenas set fire to a village?
1: Well, gnolls. They're, they're not quite hyenas, they're gnolls. They're which are like these, these sort of man beasts. And they set fire to bi- villages? Well, they like to uh, pillage, destroy death. They're pretty much chaotic creatures who love death. Oh, good. So and I-
5: sometimes if you leave like a candle out and then like your pet walks by it, they can knock it over and it hits the drapes. And then the drapes get to the building and the building gets to the next building. You can burn down a whole silly block Hypothetically, so yes. you're
6: assuming that these villagers have crazy, monstrous hyena monster creatures and we're also saying pets. building codes. And no,
1: I'm just saying they tend to build everything out yeah. of wood, which is yes. just stupid within a community. Okay,
5: I'm just saying any animal, even if not demonically possessed, let's
6: just possessed, go attack them. How about we do that? It,
5: and it would be no one's fault. I'm just saying,
1: except the building code people.
5: Yeah, sure, them, not the owner of that previously mentioned pet.
1: I gotta continue walking. <laughs> When we get fairly close to the village, we leave the road, move into the underbrush and the trees, and try and make our way as stealthily as possible. This said by a gnome, who is covered in metal, that clanks. The party kind of loses track of each other in the woods, and every so often you hear someone say, Marco! Polo! Marco!
5: Polo. Wait, quiet the polo. Polo.
1: For the record, Agata does not
6: play this game. (laughs) Are you sure you guys have done this before?
1: Don't worry, we're experts.
6: Uh, To be fair, Snakey, we've lost a few people this way.
1: I'm
5: technically a sewer repairman.
1: We haven't technically lost them. We know exactly where the bodies are.
5: They are lost to time, though.
0: Real reassuring.
4: Somehow you are able to move through the forest in such a way that you do not visibly attract any attention. You get closer to the clearing that was made in the forest, which is now the village of Bersi. The village of Bursey is about eight wooden buildings. There are a few smaller outbuildings, and there's a rather large barn. And all the homes are on fire.
1: fook looks for any movement within this fiery inflagration.
4: fook doesn't see any figures moving. Uh, he doesn't see... Anything really aside from the dancing fire, and as some of the roofs start to cave in, but he does smell pork or some sort of meat.
1: Yeah, I smell burning bodies.
4: You do notice the only building not on fire is the barn.
0: The barn's not on fire.
1: Yes, I think we should sneak up on it, catch it unawares.
0: Susan. Sneak around back. Uh, Snakey
1: points. Yes, uh, uh, Steve, do so as well. Not going to be shown up by a child. Steve moves forward towards the barn with Fook watching through his eyes to see everything that the the dog sees. And every so often you can hear Fook's voice from the forest yell, To the left, Steve! To the left! Oh wait, I can say this psychically! Never mind, Steve! Listen to your mind!
4: Susan the snake is able to slither along the ground, going no higher than the grass that grows around, and it manages to slither around to the back door of the barn, completely undetected. Steve the celestial dog, with his loud directions from his owner,
1: prancing, his tags jingling,
4: gets a little close to the door of the barn, maybe brushes up against it, the door to the barn opens slightly and something reaches out at him. This sort of gnarled, furry hand reaches out, grabs Steve, and pulls him into the barn. No, Steve! Steve! Don't die, Steve! And the door to the barn closes.
1: I'd have to use a spell slot tomorrow to cast you again!
0: <gasps> I'm I'm sorry. I, I know what it's like to lose something.
1: You yeah, a whole spell slot. Fook is still connected to Steve though and still seeing through Steve's eyes. So until Steve meets his ghastly demise temporarily Fook is going to be peering through his eyes and trying to figure out the lay of the land inside the barn while also crying horrifically. T- lots of tears all the way down into Fook's beard.
4: The tears could come either from the knowledge that he has lost a spell slot or from the sight he sees inside the barn. There is a fire in the center of the barn and over that is a spit where a human form is slowly being rotated by a bipedal creature is monstrous in appearance appears to be some sort of cat humanoid it's covered in rags and it's holding a large bone in its hand which it periodically smashes into the ground for no apparent reason and it's cooking this humanoid form this human and there is a stack of bones to one side and there is a heap of people on the other side there are severed limbs strewn about and you see at least two other of these creatures sitting and eating
1: are any of these humans still alive
4: Not that you can tell. They all appear to be dead.
1: Fook passes this information along to his new companion. Uh, Yes, I think I'm going to dispel Steve before you know they uh, roast him.
4: The last thing you see through Steve's eyes is a mouth and teeth.
1: Dispelled. Shit.
0: That's heavy.
4: Yes.
1: Well, uh, what if we sealed the doors to this barn and set it aflame? I like the way you think. I like the way I think too. Although it's usually butts, which is good too. I'm not. I'm not bashing butts. Maybe we should get on with
4: this. Agata and Hank follow behind, trying to keep behind the uh, the burning buildings.
2: Hank moves forward, but staying pretty far
4: behind Agata, letting her be his personal meat shield. But you make a lot of noise as you do so. You're stepping on bits of broken timber and twigs. And as you round the corner of one building that is only the roof on fire, Hank just clips a beam with his shoulder and the entire structure falls to the ground.
5: I mean, it was going down anyway. Yes, but we could
6: have used that as cover. Good going, Hank. Great. You're going to get us killed. Shh.
4: Coupled with the sudden disappearance of a celestial Daxon and the sound of a large building collapsing outside faster than they expected, the barn door opens once again, and the head of one of these creatures peeks out and sees Agata and Hank. Snaky, with strangers surrounding her and... The danger that she's devoted her entire life to tracking down finally in front of her. There are knolls in the barn, fire all around you.
0: Snakey draws her long bow.
4: <clears throat> the head pointing out is a tiny target. And you are quite far away, but you've spent your entire life with your bow, hunting in the forest. And this is an easy shot. Your arrow smacks right into the side of its head and sticks in. The hyena howls in pain and looks around for whatever just shot it and makes direct eye contact with you.
0: Sniggy shoots, Sniggy scores.
2: Hank takes out his spell manual, takes a shady look over his shoulder.
5: Nobody tell the licensing board.
2: He flips it open to the W7 certified spells and begins casting conjure minor elemental it pulls out of thin air right in front of the barn doors where the knoll is standing an azur a fiery beast with a huge iron shield and huge iron warhammer that lets out a roaring shout as it marches towards the knoll
4: the hyena faced monster notices this new flaming visage in front of it and sort of cocks its head very confused by what it's seeing Go get him! Kill the knolls.
1: Fook moves towards the barn, his armor clanking, his bathrobe flapping in the wind. When he reaches the edge of his movement, he disappears into a silvery mist and then reappears next to the Azur. Fook swings mightily twice, missing terribly the first time, and missing even worse the second.
4: So badly, in fact, that the battle axe slides out of his hand and embeds itself into the wooden wall of the barn.
1: If anyone asks, my name is Finnick.
4: Neither the Azer nor the knoll seem to register that name.
6: Agata, having spent months without throwing a guiding bolt or brandishing her sword upon an enemy, pulls her arm back and releases this frustration of not fighting for months upon the barn, and a guiding bolt travels and leaves her arms.
4: Perhaps due to her resistance to the idea of committing herself to Line drawings of hands and the the dexterity involved in that. Her aim is a little bit off. So off, in fact, it doesn't just miss the knoll, It slams into the elemental azure that had been summoned by Hank. I got him. that one's mine.
1: Oh, sorry, that, oh. Uh, you destroyed the feather on my helmet. That was not, oh. He's,
5: he's my new friend. I just made him. I'm
1: sorry, that was a mistake.
5: You're leaving a terrible impression.
6: Okay, well, that was a mistake.
4: I'm sorry, Azur. The Azur glows invitingly. Wait, what? Because now it's marked. Oh.
0: Agata moves forward. Susan waits in the gloaming at the back of the barn door. She nudges it open with her giant snake head and slowly slithers inside.
4: There are a couple knolls standing beside at the front of the barn. Having seen their compatriot get attacked, their back is turned. But Susan sees another larger one sort of sleeping on the ground.
0: Susan guards the back door.
1: Ooh, uh, can you retrieve my battle axe?
2: The other turns to Fook for a second, blinks, Brandishes his much larger flaming warhammer, turns away from Fook, and swings it at the knoll.
1: Snotty little thing, I think I could take him in a fight.
4: This poor knoll with the arrow pointing out of its head. The flaming warhammer hits the shaft of the arrow, driving it deeper into the skull, bludgeoning him and cracking the skull. It is a wonder that this thing is still standing, with blood streaming down its face. almost seems to enjoy it though
2: and the fire from the hammer sort of sizzles some of the hairs on its face as well
1: and Fook is standing right under the bloody head being dripped on nice
4: the very injured Knoll at the door pokes with its spear back at the yaser but he's so weakened that he can barely muster up the strength to do it and it just sort of glances off the shield the two way doors of the barn fly inwards As the compatriots of the knoll rush to his aid,
1: foiled by hinges,
4: one bites at Fuke. The other one attempts to spear the Azer. The biting knoll attempts to reach down to the very short Fuke, but can only get the belt of his robe as it pulls it off with its teeth. The robe is now almost permanently open.
1: Well, fortunately, I'm wearing armor underneath this time. Shame on you.
4: The spear-wielding Knoll on the other side misses the head of the azer and singes the haft of his spear slightly. They are taken aback, and you can see behind them a larger, tougher-looking, more evil Knoll Slowly get up. And turn towards you.
1: Ooh, that one's made darker life choices. Choosing to use her
0: hunter's mark, Snakey makes eye contact with the biggest gnoll. You're mine, puppy. She draws her longbow and shoots. Drawing her longbow again, she shoots another arrow at the big guy.
4: These arrows go into the shoulders of the larger one. It rocks back each time, staggers a second, and is now staring directly at Snakey. It points a claw at her.
1: Fudge. Don't worry, it has to get through me. Hank
2: is pretty jazzed about his new Conjure Minor Elemental spell has turned out, so he starts flipping through his spell manual for
5: some other spells. Guys, this spell is normally used to, like, Clear up clogs in the sewer, but I think what is a knoll really but the clog in real life?
2: He casts shatter. A sound like a jackhammer going off emits from behind the three minor knolls and begins to shake them and shatter them. Shatter all the inorganic parts of their body, like their bones and their teeth.
4: They shake violently. The one that was badly injured, his head just falls off, just falls right off.
1: Into Fook's pouch. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Into Fook's waiting pouch with the other heads. The other two are staggered, shaken, stirred. Parts of the barn's roof have fallen off. The door falls off its hinge. Hay rains down from the hayloft. Fook's axe is knocked loose from the wall and falls to the ground at his feet.
1: Fook reaches down, picks it up in a smooth motion, and makes two attacks against the closest knoll, while also muttering some religious words under his breath. Uh, Fook has activated a power that makes, his, makes each blow against these creatures even stronger, and he manages to sink his axe into this knoll
4: twice. The first one cleaves deep into it, almost sh- taking the arm right off its shoulder. The second blow goes so deep, it cuts from the shoulder down to the heart, stopping it. This attack has been so powerful, the thunderstruck battle axe glows with its power, and just the sound of a thunderclap emerges and is heard by all. As though it was a large riff of an Ivorino rock band. You're cast thunder wave.
1: Fuke is kind of thrown back by the thrust of this thunder, uh, and he stares at his axe with a new appreciation.
4: As he stares, he doesn't quite see that the structure of the barn has given way.
1: Look how cool my axe is. I mean, my spell was pretty loud too. No, but look how cool it is. I lose the value.
4: The roof collapses in, the walls begin to fall.
1: Look, it's magically sharp and it does very interesting things when it comes in contact with evil creatures.
5: The, the barn is falling on you.
1: Wait, I'm not done!
4: Fook is far too distracted by his own handiwork. <laughs> One of the crossbeams of the barn hits him square on the head. Fook's helmet
1: rings like a bell. He staggers and then says, And it even made loud noises!
4: It also lands on the azer. Susan, at the back of the barn, is able to slither it's she's very wriggly. and nothing hits her. Agatha you've just seen the barn collapse, and uh in the wreckage, you don't see Fook. you can see sort of a glow of the Azer as it has set the wreckage alight
6: uh agata moves forward, runs towards her compatriots, uh closing the distance
4: you see clearly dazed Fook Wimbles, which is indistinguishable from normal Fook Wimbles. Uh, you see fire beginning to spread around the Azer. You see wreckage. You see the bodies of two knolls. You see one that is slightly injured, but shaking off the bits of wood that might have hit it. And the large one standing at the back, unhurt, unbowed.
6: Agatha summons a guardian of the faith to stand between her compatriots and the big gnoll. Guardian looks like a small pointy snouted dog with a blue velvet hat and a yellow green feather coming out of it in a gold and red doublet riding upon a a larger, sorry, riding upon a larger sheepdog. Is this
4: Wishbone?
1: (laughs) No, this is Labyrinth. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
5: (laughs) uh, Your summon is a lot more playful than I would have expected from you based on your
6: personality. Try and just just get him mad. Just get him mad and see what happens.
4: No, I, I don't want to piss him off.
6: I have sworn with my life's blood, none shall pass this way without my permission.
4: The knoll racks its brain to remember where it heard that before.
1: Wait, that dog just talked. I think I've hit my head.
5: I just feel like it's really off-brand for a gala. But whatever. Do I like, you thing.
6: I like pretty things. I like Steve.
5: Sure.
1: Steve's dead.
6: Susan looked
0: at the big knoll with relish. She licked her two pointy teeth and all of her other teeth. Slithering through the wreckage, she approached the knoll from behind. Susan raises herself to her full height all the way to the knoll's neck. She opens her mouth as wide as it goes, which is the full width of its neck and her eyes gleam. She winks at no one. <laughs> she pauses for a moment to relish the feeling of power, and she clamps her jaw down on the knoll's neck, pumping him full of poison.
4: The poison goes through its veins. It gets right into its main arteries. It howls in pain. It writhes in pain. It's full anger is now focused on this snake in front of it. In a language most of you have never even imagined was possible, it screams out. There seems to be no nothing but a, just a series of guttural which is Utterly meaningless to El, except Snakey. And sh- she hears, "I shall still raise the Lord against you all."
0: Raise the Lord? What the? Oh, shit!
4: This is not the language of gnolls, but it is the language of demons. It is the language of Bissell.
0: Demons, Snaky. Demons. That uh, you didn't. You don't want to get into this. No oh, frig. Just go back to the woods. Give it up.
1: Fook mishears Snakey and says, Oh, yes, praise the Lord. Kangaroos everywhere. Your robe! <laughs> is it open again?
2: <laughs> Hank summoned Azer marches forward on the last of the minor knolls, and he swings his mighty warhammer, flaming as it is, straight down on him like a nail.
4: It catches him square on his head. You can feel a little bit of give on there. It staggers a bit. It goes down to one knee. But its head raises up again to look at the Azer. The teeth of this knoll gnaws on the only exposed part of the Aesir that isn't on fire. And takes a little chunk out of it. It's a little last effort. But it is not enough. As it contacts the Aesir, flames engulf it. Its last experience is having its teeth in the flesh of another being, and it dies happy.
5: Good job, Aza. Just being bit. Sometimes that's all it takes.
4: The Noel fang of you-know-who, standing in the radiant light, ignores it. It knows it's beaten. It knows it wants to go out the way it was brought into this world violently angrily with its teeth gnashing and it's going to attack
6: the mighty knight upon his sturdy sh- steed lunges forward and plunges his sword into the the main knoll standing in front of him
4: the magic power explodes through him staggering him blood drips forms a pool around his feet but he's unperturbed and moves on through blood pouring out of its mouth it attempts to bite the snake but the snake is too quick he slashes out with its left claw but the snake is too quick with its mangled mutilated right claw it makes a final attack and it just misses and its claws are stuck in the ground this is a defeated but still somehow alive an owl that feels itself dying and screams out again in its unholy tongue. You will all die in the future. You will all die soon. We will come for you. It is only understood by Snakey. I don't know what you just said, but you're not good at this.
6: Hank, you are right. We all die in the future. Doesn't everybody die in the future?
1: Yes, pretty much.
5: No, yeah, what I said was that you are already dead in the present, which is
1: your future. She's dead in the past. In the past. Our past. By our present. Our present killed her in the past? Now you're going to be confused.
0: Snaky draws one last arrow. She makes eye contact with the last remaining Noel, Sensing it's appropriate to wink, she does.
4: (laughs) The arrow flies directly into its eye. It sees it coming towards it and then it sees nothing. The knoll collapses to the ground, dead.
0: Knoll's eye. <laughs> you
1: get it? Oh, no, I got
5: that. It's good. That's I like it. I didn't get Noseye. it. Like, it's like a pun.
1: On what? They're being funny. Oh, well, I, I didn't understand that. Fook quickly moves around the barn looking for any survivors amongst the humans.
6: Fook, you don't need more body parts.
1: You really no, don't. No, I'm looking for survivors. Oh. I,
4: I survived.
1: Uh, well, survivors that matter. Susan, I won.
4: You fu- don't find enough pieces to make a whole body, but there aren't quite as many pieces as you would expect in a village this size.
1: Fook looks at the bodies and says, oh, well, we already knew they were cannibals. Maybe if we stitched them together.
6: Let's not do
0: that. There's a
1: thunderstorm coming. I read a book.
6: Oh, there are enough humans.
1: That's probably true.
6: Seriously, what is it with you guys and humans? Do you have a problem with us? Yes. I'm help- I'm f- I've am I'm. been fighting alongside you. All right, well, you're one of the allies.
2: Hank approaches his heavily wounded Azor that has served him very well since he summoned it and says,
5: Your job is done. You're free. Do what you want
2: with the rest of your time you have. To which the Azor goes and marches off into one of the collapsed buildings and just plays in the fire like it's a sandbox. Oh, it's
0: so, so cute. Yeah, I like
5: him. I think he, I'm going to probably summon him again sometime.
1: This has reminded Fuke that Steve is dead. And he sits down in a corner and begins to weep.
6: Um, Agata walks over to her guardian of faith uh, and scratches the little sheepdog behind the ear. Oh, don't rub it in! And her guardian bows in front of her and says, And remember, fair maiden, should you need us? And disappears.
1: He didn't finish that sentence. What the hell was the end of that sentence?
5: Yeah, I have no idea. I can't figure it out. Is it maybe they'll
1: bring a drink?
6: Look, it's between me and my dog. Just back off.
1: You keep rubbing it in. I had a dog. You will have s- one again tomorrow. But I was going to say you can dog. have one tomorrow.
6: It's fine. I know it's sad. I liked Steve. Steve was good. He was, he was a, a good very dog. good dog.
5: Oh, can I bring it back to the? What was the thing you were talking about when the guy screamed and then you said? Uh, and stuff about like it's to it oh. summon a monster.
0: What demons? Uh, let's talk about it later. Who wants a drink? <laughs> no, why don't you talk about it now? Okay, so uh, the Knolls, uh, they're run by this guy, you know who,
6: and um, no, I don't know who, who,
0: no, it, that's his name, like, you know who, oh,
1: on first base,
0: <laughs> he, he's like their leader, he's a demon, and I, I've i been searching for them my whole life. Why? Well, um, my, my dad was once killed by a gnoll. Only one time, but it did it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I understand my father was once killed by diabetes, I think it was.
6: Ugh. Mine was killed by brown fist, but, you know, he died.
1: Hey, that sounds gross.
6: No, the guy, the, the guy that with the super happy fun slide and... Okay. No idea.
1: No. My okay.
5: dad was tired, but I mean, he just doesn't get around anymore. He's no fun. That yeah. brings
6: on diabetes. This is a bummer. So, I thought Noel, I was alone. So, the gnoll killed people. your dad, and now you want to kill this their boss? Is that what you're saying?
0: I promised on my dad's deathbed that I would protect his city and avenge him and kill all the gnolls. Why do we always make promises on deathbeds? I don't know. And what were you doing on his bed? I was five. We shared a bed. I could barely talk.
5: Oh, awkward. I also feel like, yeah, and that might not be like contractually binding anymore. If you want, it, I'm not saying you'd have to pass up the deal, but if you want to. Like, Look, I mean,
0: one promise of my whole life and I'm going
6: to keep it. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
1: Once you make an agreement to take care of something, it's got to be done.
6: Fair enough. So what was this guy saying then? Because this is the this You told us about your dad. So what's this guy saying?
0: Um, is that we're all going to die. And he's going to raise his lord. Oh,
5: cause if, they're a little slower so I can hear. Uh, <clears throat>
0: we're we're all we're all gonna die, and, and he's gonna raise his lord. If I had the nickel
6: for every time somebody told us that,
5: no, but no, but be careful though, because the three of us we're from the future, so we're not dead yet. We Wait, actually what would you could have? die. Because
1: what's a nickel?
6: Well, a coin, whatever. If I had a coin for if I had a coin for every time somebody told us that we're all going to die, we'd be rich by now.
0: Man, if I had a sandwich for every time, I'd be so full.
1: Oh, sandwich sounds good.
5: Wait, no. If he's gonna raise the demon lord, and you guys, you guys had that book that had the guy who looked like your friend with like a demon guy. He had like a demon face in your book. Yep,
6: yep, yep.
5: Oh, is that the guy? I don't know. Maybe Is, is the guy she gonna Well, I mean, it would be pretty unlikely. Wait, wait let me let me there's look. There's two demons getting raised. Let
6: me look. What about that fancy book? You had that fancy book. Did I? You know the ah, f- uh, oh. you. N- <laughs>
5: I took it from him because he wasn't reading it. I have the fancy book.
6: Okay, you want to pull out the fancy book? My toilet paper book!
5: (laughs) I did it for a good reason.
2: Hank opens the book that earlier they could not read and had to unlock with the magic of
4: song.
1: It's missing a few pages.
2: Luckily, they're mostly the appendix at the back.
4: Previously, none of you have been able to decipher anything about this book. The script itself was completely alien. You couldn't find any any way to translate this but snakey reads this language she knows this language she immediately can understand it
6: hey snakey can hmm. you read that oh well yeah it's abyssal what's wrong can you read it to us we can't read that huh? language oh you okay. can't you can't read abyssal yeah no. can you read Draco- oh, you draconian guys, you guys need snakey Someone needs Snakey to read their book. Seriously, can
5: you read No and Dvorin? I don't know. Just don't don't be say a how joke about, about it. We
6: can all read different
1: languages. Wait, does this mean this she's one. actually joining the team? Are we? Are we actually adding someone?
6: I don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see if she dies. Because last time we added someone, I they mean, died. I never, really never even took a vote hey, on this guy. Hey. I know.
0: I don't know if I want
6: to join any
0: team. Okay. Kind of a lone wolf. I'm working through my own stuff right now. Okay, well, Do don't we, don't we you vote read the separately
5: book? on the on the girl and the snake? Because I would really like the snake to join the party, if that's okay.
6: Just because it gives you hugs. Well, uh, can it's we vote, very vote
5: very on him snake. so
1: he has voting rights on voting on her?
6: I say I say he has no voting rights. I vote he has no voting rights.
1: Well, that doesn't quite seem fair. I vote that if we vote him in, he gets voting rights.
6: To be fair, I don't think we voted on you joining the team either, so you know. Oh. So technically, I should be voting on whether any of you join our team. Can
1: I sway your vote in any way?
5: Well also the three of us can vote to make a separate team that a guy is not in, and then we can choose whether we vote her in.
0: Snakey picks up the book and starts paging through it
6: rolling her eyes. Okay, can you tell us what's in it then?
4: Okay, so the title of this book, which none of you had been able to decipher, uh, which to you reads like to move the cocks Oh, it's phonetic is the Chronicle <laughs> of the Warlocks. What it is is a history book written a thousand over, more than a thousand years ago from the perspective of those from the future, but 20 or 30 years ahead of the time that you're currently in.
1: Wait, I don't think we should allow her to read this. It shows her things about her future.
5: I mean, we can't not allow her because then we can't figure out what's in it. Exactly.
1: Well, yes, we can not allow
6: her. Fook takes the book. I can hear you. No, give her the book back. We've already screwed with the future. Let's just screw with it some more. Fine.
2: Yeah, Hank takes the book back. Gives it over to Snakey.
1: She reminds so, me of Hot Potato.
0: Snaky takes the book. So, you guys really are from the future, huh?
1: Yep. <sighs> oh, we're weirdos who wrote a book and put weird dates in it.
6: But we would have to write it in a language we don't know. The Chronicle of the Warlocks.
4: It tells the story of the vanguard of an imperial invasion force, a group of warlocks who were following some very powerful ley lines that led out from the edges of the empire and converged on the place you know as Tudo and is currently Eberique. As they approached, there was smoke to be seen from a distance. The entire place was an orgy of violence and blood. Oh, you got my attention. Violence and blood is repeated back to you after you say you got my attention. Oh,
1: no. Missed it.
4: The book seems to know not that kind of orgy. Damn it. The vanguard of this imperial invasion force discovered the largest war band of gnolls ever recorded attacking, sacking the town killing all inside, ravenously hungry, and digging. When enough blood had been spilt, there was a great earthquake, and a giant hole seemed to open up, a scar through the land.
1: All right, I have two things to bring up at this point. First, is a ley line what I think it might be? It is uh, not. Okay, no, no, no.
5: Those well, are the things I keep on repairing.
1: Well, then I also seem to remember we know of a certain future place that is soaked in blood, uh, almost to this degree. In the
5: burrows, the scarred burrows.
1: That entire fight we just left, where after the uh, football game thing. Yes, the oh. mass riots.
5: Yeah, that was like a big thing again. That's like kind of like the first Wait, one to describe.
1: Let's let her continue reading.
4: The earthquake causes. Devastation. The last buildings, a mead hall, what appears to be a longhouse, collapse. The last human offenders fall.
1: Well, at least we know where to be to survive the longest. The mead hall.
4: As the Imperials watch from the hill, a pit opens. A giant hand seems to reach out. But there's a flash of energy.
6: What is it with this place in hands? Seriously?
5: Yeah, they did do a drawing of the hands specifically. It's like the only thing they drew in this book.
4: They did the knuckles really well. This hand does seem to resemble a lot of the drawings you had seen. There's a drawing of the hand. There is a lot of drawing of hands. The, there was a flash of energy. A great explosion. And there was nothing but a crater. They found... The body of a tiefling at the center of the crater.
1: So we have to find this tiefling. It's
6: Maldar. Maldar was a tiefling, but he died. But we didn't keep his body. No, we didn't keep his body. So how did they destroy this monster the first time?
0: I have no idea what's going on. I thought this was a null problem.
4: The book goes on to continue with their uh, research. They... Set up an outpost at the beginnings of what became Tudo, and a ritual is outlined. A dark one that requires the blood of 2,000 innocents.
1: Wait, is this ritual to open the thing
4: or to stop it? You think it's to open the thing.
1: So
0: somebody's gotta kill 2,000 people to open a portal. Oh, why did I make this stupid promise? <laughs> I regret everything!
1: Oh, it sounds like you're fitting in perfectly then.
4: <laughs> uh, they goes on to finally say that the, the ritual will seem to create a rising of a great power, a great power we may control or gain power from. But we must beware if it was stopped before. There are those who may seek to move against us, those we do not understand. Just in a general sense, this is, what, this is the thing that you found in uh, the mayor's office. And so far as you know, there's just the body of a tiefling, and there is a drawing of the body of the tiefling.
6: I got a looks at the drawing of the tiefling to see if it resembles Maldar at all.
4: Really good hands. It is not a great rendering, aside from the hands, but it may as well be Maldar to you.
0: Who the hag is this Maldar guy?
1: Well, he's the sainted figure who did many wondrous acts. Actually... Like raising an entire Boy Scout troop from the dead. Um, I mean, that's what it
5: says on a shield,
1: that's but I That's something
6: that we put on your shield so that you wouldn't remember how terrible and how much you hated Moldar.
1: I hated him, but he would sound so handsome.
6: Uh, no, he was half demon, kind of a loner, didn't... enjoyed the dark things a little too much, and um, his place when you went in it sounded like there were thousands of people dying horribly slowly all the time yeah you he wasn't um he wasn't the guy on your shield sorry
1: oh that's disappointing. wait wait did i poop in his sink i think so oh okay i remember him now i think we need to bring Moldar back
6: well he well he's dead and as far as we know he's santa claus right well,
5: now well wait no he's your friend's not dead yet.
1: Our friend's not born yet.
6: Not born? Oh, that's true.
5: So, I mean, time is confusing. Honestly, every time you introduce time travel, it's, it's a very
1: it wobbly, wobbly thing. Completely out of the gods continuity. are perfectly pa- ca- but gods are perfectly capable of bringing back the dead. It's a thing that happens.
6: But he d- Hank makes, and I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but Hank makes a good point that Maldar isn't actually born yet.
1: How does that make things easier for us? Mm, I don't know. I mean,
5: I'm working on time travel. I'm going to figure it out eventually.
1: Yes, let's not put all of our hens in that basket.
5: I'm like but halfway done this book.
1: Hen Eggs?
5: I'm like half, half of the pages. First? I'm sure the answer's in the second half of these pages.
1: Well, uh, that old lady, that sexy, sexy old lady, did offer us some information, did she not?
6: Why don't we go back and get our reward? You can... You get your place back in the village. We get some coin and some info. Let's do that.
5: And also, I would make note of which places are least destroyed during this uprising. So that's where you want to get your real
1: estate when she offers you a free house. Yes, we're buying a, a mead house, a mead place. We're going into business.
6: Why don't we go get the info and the gold? Because that seems like a more
1: reasonable thing to keep. How about
0: just a snack?
1: Ooh. And I like you. Yep. Fook hits the last remaining support beam of the barn, which collapses on the dead, essentially burying them.
0: And Fook sings that famous funeral song from back (laughs) in the day.
1: Life is just a learning game, so if you do your best, you'll always win. Life with the Edison twins.
3: This has been Caverns and Comedians, Dungeons and Dragons-powered storytelling with Toronto comedians. Starring Joanna Houghton as Agatha the Cleric, Scott Thrower as Fook the Paladin, Lee Cameron as Snakey the Ranger, Maddox Campbell as Hank the Wizard, and Kyle Scott as the Dungeon Master. This has been a Kicks and Giggles production created by Kyle Scott and Maddox Campbell with editing by Maddox Campbell by Derek Baldwin and engineered by Andrea Miller. Find out more at CavernsAndComedians.com, and don't forget to like, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.
4: You don't bury the dead. You don't do anything to help. Snaky <laughs> eats four of us. all
0: of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry. I was <laughs>
2: You mean Susan, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <it's naked. laughs> hey, guys. Maddox here. Just a couple quick announcements before we finish the show. Uh, first up, we've added a donate button to the website. So if you go to cavernsandcomedians.com, look in the top right corner for the support us link, you'll find a donate button. There you can give us a little money to help support the show. Anything you give would go towards equipment, hosting fees... Maybe me occasionally buying some snacks for the actors I can't afford to pay. Stuff like that. If you can't donate anything, that's fine. Our show will still be free for forever. But you could also help us out by voting in the Now Magazine's Reader's Choice Award, Best of Toronto 2017, for the best podcast. We're up, nominated in the top five, and we could really use your vote to get that. It would help more people find out about the show, and that would really help us out. You can find that if you go to cavernsandcomedians.com. We have a link right there. Thanks so much for your support already, guys, and we look forward to giving you lots more jokes in the future. Bye.